0: Put the fucking mic on How we doing folks, it's your boy DP Barstool Sports Starting 9 And you are listening to the end of the bench Scoot your ass down Welcome to episode 118 of end of the bench And we got a World Series preview podcast episode We're also going to recap the ALCS and NLCS in this podcast Let's first start with both those ALCS and LCS series. With the ALCS, we have the Rays and Astros. The Rays, thank the Lord, they won in seven games. They were up 3-0, and then the wheels started to fall off for the Rays. Something we've never seen before in this 2020 season from the Tampa Bay Rays. Not holding leads, not pitching in big time situations, not a a lot of timely hitting in that three game losing streak. The Astros were going to join the 2004 Boston Red Sox as the second team to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in a playoff series, in the pennant series. And they almost did it, but the Rays found a way and caught the W. Now, let's talk about this Astros team, right? The Astros, for the people that don't know and have been living under a rock the last year and a half, the Astros cheated in 2017 and parts of 2018. 2017, they won the World Series by cheating using garbage cans and a a balls and strikes um, relay system and they mashed on, at home, and they couldn't on the road. So if they went to the World Series, two things. One, the pros. It would be good for baseball in a way where we would see a ridiculous amount of ratings during the World Series like we haven't seen before. Like, we, I mean, we've seen amazing ratings over the years. I mean, that 2017 World Series, it was unbelievable. You guys remember when Bregman hit the walk-off single of Jansen, a back-and-forth unbelievable World Series that was? You might get some crazy ratings like that. I don't know what the ratings were back then. But if the Astros went to the World Series, you got a crazy storyline. The most hated team that baseball's probably almost ever had. Right? The Yankees are a hated team, right? No one really likes the Yankees, but everybody hates the Astros. Because Carlos Correa and play, I mean, he's really the only guy talking shit that, you know, everyone doesn't have us, you know, everyone's counting us out, we're not this good, blah 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 blah. Well, understand something that nobody likes you. But the Astros took that mentality that everybody hates us to heart. And they turned that negativity into them winning and almost going to the World Series again for the third time in since 2017. They won in seventeen. They lost last year. Um do they win they go in eighteen? I'm like blanking right now. Um but the fact of the matter is is that they were hated. They are still hated. And thank God they lost. Now, the bad part about it, right? The bad part was they go to the World Series. They have a shot of winning. They've cheated their way to a World Series championship. Nobody thought they can get back there without cheating. And they got there and they are in the World Series and four wins away from a World Series crown by not cheating. But we won't be seeing that. And maybe until next year, who knows? Hopefully they change the playoff format because realistically their regular season numbers were atrocious and they shouldn't have been in this playoffs to begin with. I think one last team. And so there was the three first place, the three second place. So that's six and then you're eight. So I think there should be one last team and then a, um the first place teams in each uh, league gets a first round bye. That's how I would format the playoff system for next year. I like the brackets. I think it's really cool how they do that. Anyway, um, the Rays go to the World Series. They haven't been there in quite some time, like 2008 sometime. Like, it's been a long time. Second time going to the World Series. They lost in 2008 to the Phillies. Uh, Phillies that Phillies team, that era, with J. Roll and Ryan Howard and Utley beast teams the Rays showed throughout the playoffs that Kevin Cash knows how to manage the pitching the only blemish was taking Snell out way too early when he was pitching he had 82 pitches he was pitching great taking him out early did cost him the game did, did cost that pitching step, but overall he knows how to manage this bullpen and, and knows how to manage it really well we haven't seen starters really go that far into their outings. I mean, I, th- I don't think Snell has went past five innings at all during the playoffs. I don't think I think Snell hasn't went past five innings all year long. What you really think about it, that's like, uh, if he's my ace, which he's pitching game two of the World Series, we'll get to the World Series in a minute, I feel like he should be able to go... As long as possible. He's an ace. Go seven innings. Go six innings. Give get me six at least. To help the bullpen out. And the bullpen's great. And that's why they're in there. And let's not forget the guy who's absolutely took the world by storm is Randy a Rosarina from the Cardinals and trade to the Tampa Bay Rays. They got him for no money. He's not getting paid for anything. And guess what? This rookie is absolutely demolishing. He has the most home runs by a rookie ever in postseason play. He had COVID nineteen. He got COVID. He didn't even know he'd make the roster. Cause there wasn't really a room for him, right? But now he's playing like babe freaking Ruth out there. Nobody can stop him. It's just he is if if he does not do what do the same thing he did or something close to it. In the past couple of series, the Rays are not going to win this series. He is a he is the he's the biggest name the the biggest bat in that lineup. If the Rays want to push forward in this series, Brendan Lau struggled and um, Kiermaier has is hurt still. A lot of guys aren't hitting that great in this lineup. But a Rosarina has been carrying this team. G Man Choi has played decently well. You just need him, a or Rosarina, to keep this going, and the pitchers have to keep going to get forward and to keep going in this World Series. Let's talk about the National League now with the Braves and the Dodgers. And holy crap, guys, this, has been, this was one of the better playoff series baseball seen in a long time. A long time. I mean it was a it was freaking awesome they won seven games and let's be honest we baseball fans yo we're spoiled dude we're spoiled these past um two series both of them are game sevens like are you kidding Braves took game one and game two Dodgers destroyed in game three 15 runs Braves took the next series next game 10 to two. And then the Dodgers won game five and game six and then game seven. Down three one. Atlanta Sports have just struggled big time over the years. Twenty eight to three. Now this and you know, they're now the Braves are gonna be in the same conversation as the three one deficit with the Warriors. But I would say the Braves are the next powerhouse to come out of the national league. The Cubs were a powerhouse at one point. I think the Cubs run is, I think, officially done after this year. Cause they gotta re sign a bunch of players. They got guys that are on contract years. What's gonna happen to Bryant and Rizzo? You know, Hayward's getting paid a lot of money. Baez, what's his situation gonna be like? There's the pitching involved. There's a lot of things that have to have, have to happen and some people have to go. But I think the Braves are the next team to turn the corner, to be the favorites. They'll be in the conversation with the Dodgers every year, right? And the guy that helped bring the Braves to this point in the 2027, 2020 season in Game 7 was Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna. But for Freddie Freeman in particular, Freddie Freeman has been shadowed by a lot of good first basemen In the National League. You know, Freeman has always almost been looked like a. Considered like underrated. And really, like, you know, like I said, shadowed by a lot of other players. And we really haven't seen the true potential, I guess. But guys, you know, he's been. All-star games, countless all-star games. He's been voted in the top at top 10 in MVP four times. And he's probably win the MVP this year, but the playoffs have blown everything open. And we've been, I think baseball's now seeing the true potential of what you know the rest of baseball's been missing. Right? A little backstory. Like I I wrote, a, I wrote an article on Freddie Freeman. Um, if you can go to End of the Bench blog, w, uh, wp.wordpress.com, at um com, you will find my blog, end of the bench wp dot wordpress.com you'll find my um article i wrote last week it did the best numbers i've done uh, i've ever wrote like this is the best article when it comes to views and numbers um so far like by far so because it's really i really enjoyed like deep like a deep dive into um you know Frey freeman's career freeman has been one of my favorite players over the past couple of years because of he is maybe one of the best two-strike hitters in the game. I would say with him and Vado um and uh who else is a really good two-strike hitter? Like LeMay, he was a really good two-strike hitter, but Freeman Look, in the National League over since he's been he's been in the league since 2010 and officially became a full-time rookie in 2011 make, being uh, second place in rookie of the year. He's done, you know, he's done very well. I mean, the only bad part about his career is that the reason why he's been so overshadowed by everybody because the Braves at one point were a horrible team. From 2014 to 2017, the Braves averaged 71 wins and 90 losses. And during that time, he still raked. He had 294, 24 dingers, 76 uh, RBIs. That's what he averaged from 14 to 17. But the Braves teams were horrible. They were losing 90-plus games a year, and you had other teams in this National League that had amazing first basemen. now over and when you come when you talk about overall baseball, too, there's so many good first basemans. Look, nationally, you got Anthony Rizzo, Paul Goldschmidt, who went from the D backs to the Cardinals, right? You have Joey Votto, who at, during that time where Votto, I'm uh, during that time when Freeman has been in the league for the last 11 years, Votto won the MVP. You have Albert Pujols, who's arguably the best first baseman of all time. You have Prince Fielder, who was a beast. With Milwaukee, I think I think that might have been late 2000s. And then when we went to, to, to the Tigers, he was a beast there too, right? And then let's not forget about the Triple Crown winner, Miguel Cabrera in the American League. So you have all these great first basemen, and then Freddie Freeman is just in the shadows. And I think those Braves teams struggling over the years might have put Freeman on the back burner. But this 2020 team, this Atlanta Braves team, have fixed the issue, right? They're trying to find a piece. You know, turn the late 2000s into the 2010s, the Braves were turning over a new leaf. You had um, you had Chipper Jones ending his career and kind of giving to the keys to the, you know, trying to give the he's giving the keys to someone else. And that someone else was Freeman. But Freeman had a lot to learn how to be a big leader, how to be a first base, everyday first baseman, how to lead a team. And now that 11 years later, even 2019, they were a good team, but 2020 in particular, right? You've seen a leadership from Freddie Freeman that we've never seen from him at all in his career, right? The guy gets COVID. He he, he said he, was, he felt like he was going to die. This is how, how crazy it was for him. And he comes back and he throws out this MVP-type year in 60-game season and bringing them one game away from the World Series. And what the Braves did, they decided, hey, look, Freeman's our guy and will be our guy. He's our next Chipper Jones. Let's build around him. Well, you got Ronald Acuna Jr., who is a MVP candidate. He could be every year. You had Dansley Swanson. You got a rig. You guys absolutely rigged the, the D-backs in that trade. He's your everyday shorts up for the next 10, 15 years. And he played great in this postseason, by the way. He absolutely was awesome in the postseason. You have Ozzie Albies at second. Marcelo Zuno, who you got this year for one year, $18 million, which I think you guys need to give him a blank freaking check if the Braves want to continue this run. Another great bat like that. He's going to be like in the top five in MVP, too. And then you have Travis Darno, who was there, I think, the last year or two. But this year, he is becoming one of the better offensive hitting catchers in the game. I say so. With the Real Mutos and the Yadier Molinas and and the Salvador Perez of the world. Perez has been struggling over the years, but the guy is pretty. I think he's one of the better hitting catchers in the league. But now they've finally, with all these all these hitters, have surrounded Freeman, and now they're taking advantage of what they have and putting the best talent out there, and their team got better. It seemed like when Freeman started to get more recognition from other players and reporters and fans... The team started getting better, and now he's getting this league-wide recognition. The title of my blog was, After a Remarkable 2020 Season, Freddie Freeman Finally Gets the Recognition That He Deserves. And he has. He has now put his name out there as the best first baseman in Major League Baseball, and the Atlanta Braves have become one of the best teams overall in baseball after the 2020 season. I mean, Freddie Freeman needs to get, you know, respect on his name, right? Look, when it comes to categories, in, a, in, in a hitting, hitting categories, he is so many. He's in so many in the top five. Look at this. Batting average. He's third, batting 341. This is all regular season numbers. He's first in runs. He's first in doubles. He's fourth in hits. He is fourth in, um, in walks, first in doubles third in RBIs, second in on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and on-base plus slugging. Only two players since 1920 have finished in the top four in MLB in hits, doubles, RBIs, and walks. It's Freddie Freeman and Lou Gehrig. When you're in conversation with Lou Gehrig, you've had a fantastic season. But imagine if we saw a full 162 game season from Freddie Freeman. I think it would be pretty easy to say that he'd be walking home with some hardware. And I think he might walk home with some hardware this year. Now I thought the Braves, honestly, it was in this series. I was like, Hey, look, I kind of want both teams to go. Can like, can we just eliminate the American league and just have these two guys, two teams play again in the world series? Because they're both amazing teams to watch and and I really, I was rooting for both of them. I'm never like that. I usually just pick a team. I know what team to pick. It's going to be easy pick, easy pickings for me. I honestly thought with how the team was going, and they were up 3-1. But I wrote this blog. I think there were, yeah, there were two wins away from going to the World Series. I honestly thought the Braves were going to do it. With Ian Anderson, Max Fried, and Kyle Wright who at the time, in like seven games combined, the starters, they only let up 13 runs. And with this explosive offense, I thought they were going to go to the World Series. And turns out, the Dodgers just played better. The Dodgers have... It it was almost so equal, both these teams. If I had to give like sides, like who had the better of of each um, side of baseball, hitting-wise... I, it's like equal pitching I would maybe give it to I maybe give it to the Braves defense give it to the Dodgers and managing I would have to say give it to the Dodgers but this is and like we saw unbelievable clutchness too with Cody Ballinger hitting the freaking moonshot pimping it Kike Hernandez bro. Pitch hit bench player of the ye- the week. I almost said the year, but maybe he he's getting nominees. Mike Brasso is definitely the number one slot of bench player of the year moment and year player. But you know, Kike come up with a pitch hit home run to tie the ball game up and then free and then uh Bellinger to go out a home run. Ken Griffey Jr. style pimping the shit out of it, dude. This is what baseball's been wanting to see. In the National League, we saw the two best teams, which they were 100%, the two best teams facing off in an epic seven game series. Baseball's happy, man. Manfred. for Manfred's happy. He saw both series go seven games, and now both number one seeds are facing off in the World Series. When. I'm going to do... You know what? What are we at right now? I think we're at 20... Okay, we're at 20-ish, 22 minutes. Um, I'm going to take a break. That was recapping the a- NL and ALCS. Take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to recap the World Series. I thought I would do World Series first, but it kind of made, made some sense to do the LCS um, recap. So, uh, yeah. When we come back, I will break it down. And give you my winner of the 2020 world series when we come back okay let's talk about world series 2020. the wild wild season It has almost come to an end. World Series is tonight. Game one. Kershaw versus Glass now. This is Clayton Kershaw's moment right here. This series. Does this define his career? There's a lot weighing on it. I think so. Look, we all know that Kershaw is this... One of the ones in the generation type left-handed pitchers. He is the best pitcher in my generation with Verlander in that conversation. But Kershaw has performed at levels we've never seen. I think I've seen I think I've said that a hundred times this podcast. So I apologize. But he has shown stuff. He's look, he's pitched remarkably well. not even remarkably well, amazingly well. Over his career. The postseason has big has been his bugaboo. Right? He can't pitch in the postseason. He's had a couple of good starts here and there. This series. This season in 2020. The postseason. He's pitched decently well. His last start wasn't the best. But the very first one he had in the postseason. 13 strikeouts. Mowed him down. Second start wasn't that bad. But this is a big moment for him. He's had some back issues but he's still trying to go out there and trying to produce. I was listening to some radio show the other day, and they were talking about how, you know, if Kershaw pitches terrible during this postseason, right? He pitches in game one and game four, whatever. He doesn't get the loss in either of those games. He gets a no decision. And in one of those games, they win and one of them, they don't but the what they end up winning the world series so this kind of ends the his storybook chapter of the, one of the greatest pitchers of all time he has the cy youngs he has the mvps he has the you know wins leader era leader strikeout leader thrown a no hitter and now he has a world series all stars but now he has a world series but our, but I think people would still give him crap because he didn't perform in the World Series. But I think if he goes out tonight and shoves against this really good Rays lineup, if he shoves, if he ends up getting the W, goes six innings and strikes out eight, and they win this game and then they ended up winning the Series, I think you can put the playoff sp- playoff you know performance to rest. Look at other players. Look, look at Alex Rodriguez. He was horrible his entire career up until 2009. I think 2009 he had six home runs in the playoffs, carried the Yankees throughout the postseason, But throughout his career with Seattle in his early years, and then New York, the Rangers dating go to the playoffs in his three years. But with the Yankees, he wasn't good in the postseason. He could not come up clutch. He was a regular season guy. He would mash 35, 40, maybe 50 home runs a year, driving 115, 120 RBIs, be the runner-up or win the MVP, all-star games, gold gloves, what have you, silver sluggers. He's in that conversation as the best player in the game. But when it's time to really, really wake up your bat, he wasn't there. 2009, he, he shut everybody up. He shut everybody up. Now, do, do a lot of people remember his struggles in the postseason? I would say 40% of people remember that, 30% if you're talking about in, in his career. People remember his 2009 playoff run as being the most dominant hitter in the playoffs that year. Now, if Kershaw can pitch one or two really good games in the World Series, I think that discussion will be put to rest because he checked it off his list. He's checked everything off of his left list in his career. This is the last one. He just—they just They just can't get it done. Under Dave Roberts, Kershaw has been to three. Now this is the third World Series. Losing in 17 and 18. And this is the guy that you need to step up in game one of this series to put the Dodgers ahead. You need this. You need him to come up clutch. And if that happens, I think the rest of the series could be in the very good. Look, it's all about like uplifting and positive energy and um if honestly if Kershaw can help out the bullpen right the bullpen's going to pitch better throughout the series both these teams have used their bullpen like crazy in the last 7 game series they both played in so if Kershaw can help the team help the bullpen out by going 6 innings at least that's going to be a huge factor in the rest of the series but can he do it? I think he can. I'm going to be rooting for Kershaw in game 1. Heavy, heavy, heavy. In game 2, you don't have a Dodger starter just yet, but you have Blake Snell pitching in game 2. Snell needs to get more than 5 innings. Cash needs to Look, these are the b- both most analytical teams in the 2020 season, when you come uh, out of any team, these are the most analytical teams and they're playing. So they love the opener style. They love using a lot of bullpens. They love the s- starters not to go that far into games. There's a time and place when you, you use your analytics to your advantage, right? And I think that sometimes the analytics are used more than the actual common knowledge and common practice in the game of baseball. If you're a little confused with that, let me explain. So, ever since the Billy Bean Moneyball era started, players and teams have adapted to this analytical, analytically-based, sabermetric-based play of baseball. The opener started in 2018. I remember when I was working for the Twins, um, the, the Tampa Bay Rays were the first team to start it in 2018, the opener. And I remember the Rays played against the Twins, and the games would last forever because they started doing this opener. They started to either, like, um, I think it was Ryan Stanek was one of the openers at one point in 2018 <laughs> versus the uh, the Twins and Sergio Romo and other uh, raised relievers. They started with a reliever, and then they went to a starter after that. Or they went Johnny Holstaff and pitched all bullpen guys throughout the game. And I asked a bunch of players about this new way of of pitching games um, I'll tell you, like, I, I interview Ryan Presley. Ryan Presley, who got traded over to the Astros in 2018 from the Twins. Ryan was like, look, this is probably the new way of baseball, right? This is going to be the new way how how to beat the hitters. Like, you want to put your best bullpen guy out there or an effective bullpen guy out there to get the first two innings, right? Or get the first time through the order, the best hitters through the order, and then go to your rest of your pitchers. And I, I, I'll tell you some guys that I said, they're off the record. I'm not going to mention names, but I'll mention what they said. They said that they absolutely hate it. One For one point being that, um, you know, it could ruin relievers way of pitching, right? There's Now, if you're like an eighth inning guy, you have your routine of warming up in the sixth, like start stretching the sixth, warming up in the seventh, getting out there in the eighth, get your three outs, you're done, your day's done. And then hopefully they win, right? There's guys that are long men. There was guys that are the lefty specialist is not really a thing anymore. But there was lefty specialists at, at one at, during that time. Um, you guys, there's guys that have they know their roles and they're they've been comfortable with the roles all year long or their whole career. And now there's change. Also, if you want to go to the money standpoint, starting pitchers might get paid less because they're gonna go with a bullpen guy to become an opener and to start the games. Look, that, that's, that's I know, and other relievers could not get as much money or get more money depending on this new opener style, right? No, I'm I'm going a little too far into the opener thing and not really come back to the World Series. But the point is, is that I think when it comes to something like this, if Blake Snell is at 82 pitches and he's mowing down the team, he was mowing down the Astros, keep him in. Just keep him in. Kevin Cash. You're you're a catcher. You were a catcher your career. You caught some you caught some big name pitchers over your career. Just look at the situation. Don't always go to the driven data. Don't always go to the data. That's what everyone does now. Now I understand why. Because data shows that, you know, if you do, you know, if you if you take him out in the fourth. The likelihood of your team winning with your bullpen is higher than if you kept them in. But sometimes, man, I feel like you can just, like, you, it's right in front of you. The kid's mowing them down. Why don't you just keep them in there? So I think when it comes to managing and overmanaging, that's going to be a big part of this series. We've seen a lot of really good managing from Kevin Cash than overmanaging. This is really the one situation I'm talking about when uh, Snell was in and he was dominating. And he got taken out too early. I think that was in um I just wanna make sure here. That might have been game six. Um yeah, it was in game six. Yeah. I just wanna make sure here. Yeah, game six. Yeah, you got taken out in the fourth. At let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm just trying to where is it? Pitch count. Snell, 82 pitches, 45 strikes. Yeah, four innings, two are in four walks, four Ks. Look, was he mowing them down? Not really, but he was gelling. He was gelling, and he looked comfortable. And then the bullpen blew the game. Well, the Castillo coming in, letting up an earned run, and then McCallaghan letting up three runs in an inning and two-thirds, and the game was basically over from there. But, I think there just needs to be a really good manager job from both of these teams, right? And then let's talk about game three. Uh, no starter yet for the Rays in game three, but Walker Bueller is pitching in game three. To have a one-two punch with Kershaw and Bueller all season long has been great. Um, But what we need to see from Bueller is like, I, I, I want to see like a freaking domination of a game and he has the talent to right his fastball is one of the best better fastballs in the league if he can go seven eight innings mm-hmm. i think he could absolutely destroy this Rays team with his overpowering fastball rays are a good fastball hitting team but i really can think that and um i would say the rays might start morton i would say either morton or do an opener style for game three morton will have enough days of rest He's the oldest guy in that rotation, so I think a little or more extra days. Morton's got a lot of—he's a big game pitcher. We've seen it over the years pitching game sevens. He's done a really great job. That's a lot of the pitching. With the offense now for the Rays, I would say I'm looking at a World Series 2020 ranking of all 56 players in this world in this World Series. And the, mo- the number one player, of course, is I is think Mookie Betts. Betts has had a—I don't want to about the Rays in a second, but the, the, I'll talk about the Dodgers real quick. The Dodgers hitters, this is one of the most, most talented liners. Um, this is the most talented lineup in Dave Roberts' career as a manager with Betts, who has m- made un- three unbelievable defensive plays, robbing an extra base hit, a shoestring catch, and then robbing a home run all in one series. And his bat has been there. Corey Seeger hit two home runs the other day. He's, he got the um, NLCS MVP. Will Smith, who has been mashing, coming up clutch. The Will Smith versus Will Smith battle was fantastic. Justin Turner, who's a clutch hitter at the plate. You have utility players like Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez, who's great. Max Muncie. He's a good liable guy at first base. But who's going to be the guy to come out? Is it Cody Bellinger? Is it going to be Mookie Betts? Is it going to be Seager? The thing is, all these guys can do it. If one guy can't do it, they have another guy right behind them that's going to pick him up. That's why the Dodgers have the better lineup. Now, I wrote on a piece of paper kind of ranking um, each category of baseball, like hitting, pitching, defense, managing kind of put those in um, a table and I put Dodgers and Rays on top and I did a checklist of who has, who has an advantage over the other. And I said, Dodgers have the advantage in hitting. I think it's pretty obvious that they have the better lineup. They have more options. They have, dude, they have best MVP a Corey Seager's rookie of the year and could potentially be an MVP one day. I know it's kind of hard to battle against Cody Ballinger won an MVP last year. And Buki bats battling each other. Um, but they have they have a ridiculous lineup with so many options, like I said before, to pick each other up. Um, pitching. I think overall the pitching the Rays have the advantage. With, and I think it's because of the bullpen. The Dodgers bullpen is kind of suspect in a way. Like Gratterall is a great fit, right? He throws a million miles an hour. But I would say it's and also you Dustin May, who could potentially start game three as an opener, or could start, who knows? Jake McGee is is if he Blake Trina's played pitched a ton in the last couple of series, he's been kind of shaky. Um, who else is in this bullpen with this with these other guys? Victor Gonzalez, who's had a really good year as a left handed pitcher, he's a good viable option. Um But he's he's kind of struggled here or there. Pedro Baez, who takes about an hour and a half to throw one ball. Joe Kelly. um, Look, I still think the Rays have the advantage because of the bullpen. That's it. With Diego Castillo and Peter Fairbanks and um, who else? I'm like blanking here. Um, Nick Anderson. They have a bunch of freaking power arms in that bullpen that could. Ultimately, change this series. Defense, I think it's a deadlock tie. Both these teams were amazing the last series. I mean, it seemed like every out the Rays caught was a web gem. It was a diving catch. It was tabling over the side of a railing. It was robbing an extra base hit, robbing a home run, whatever it was. It was every single play, it seemed like, in a couple of these games against the Astros. And let's talk about the Dodgers. Just mentioned before, but the whole team can play defense up the middle. You got two defensive studs, Kike, who's really good defensively, who um, can play anywhere in the outfield as well. On the corners, you got some defense there. Outfield, it just seems like an absolute lock. I mean, Jock Peterson, I would guess, is the liability out there in the left, where or, or Chris Taylor, who's a pretty good defensive player. But Betts in right and Bellinger in center, it doesn't make it doesn't. It's not fair in, in a way managing, I'm going to have to go Kevin Cash just because of how he manages the bullpen. I know that's one flaw I said before that I, did, I disagree with the Blake Snell decision taking him out in the fourth inning of Game 6 of the ALCS. I disagree with that. But the rest of it is there. This is a do-or-die Career series for Dave Roberts. Now I looked up some stats for Dave Roberts. Overall in his career. Regular season, 436 wins, 273 losses. Stupid crazy. Stupid good. Five straight NL West titles. Amazing. 2016 NL Manager of the Year. He's won two pennants, now three. But he's lost two World Series. Seventeen and eighteen. He keeps making the playoffs. He has these amazing teams. He's not like he's like the um like the like the um I don't know like the Marlins. They came out of nowhere, and they're winning series with this kind of a uh, like below average team, right? He has the best lineup, the best pitching, the best everything every single year. He got better from last year. They were amazing last year. that they added Mookie Betts? And let's not forget David Price, who who I'm I'm sure he's kind of bummed out. He can't play because he opted out of the season because of COVID right in the beginning of the year. But imagine they had David Price in. Imagine it was Kershaw, Price, Bueller, Kershaw, Bueller, Price, whatever, for these first three games. It's been pretty great. But what I'm trying to say is he's had so many chances over the years. If he loses this game, this series, is it time to let him go? That's my question to you guys. Is it time to let him go? No, you're kind of like, "Taylor, you're you're crazy. You like who's that who's a, a good option out there that could replace him?" Who? AJ Hinch, Alex Cora maybe? Both have World Series experience, both cheated, both beat the Dodgers, and and Dave Roberts? But it's like it, But it, you know. It's like you, you can keep winning. They're gonna turn if they lose this series. They're gonna be like the Bills in the nineties with Jim Kelly going to the Super Bowl four straight years and not winning one. That's something to think about. This is the third time in four years they made it to the World Series. If they don't win this, I would say the rumors. And his seat are gonna start to get a little warm. To get a little warm out there. To get a little seats to get a little warm. The heated seats will be on because I can't imagine that ownership is gonna be pleased if they lose. But finally, to wrap it up, the other day we saw on social media the number one prospect in Major League Baseball posted. And shared on his Instagram story of a jersey with a World Series 2020 patch on his sleeve. This was Monday. And this immediately blew up the internet and baseball Twitter. So after the rosters have been announced on Tuesday afternoon, it doesn't seem like he's on it, though. But we see Wander Franco, number one prospect in baseball, with a 2020 World Series jersey. What does this mean? Does this mean he's part of it? Well, he's part of the club's 40-man roster, postseason pool, you know, roster. And he spent the 2020 season training in Port Charlotte, so he's ready. The Raves have already called up Major League Pitching Prospect Shane McCallahan when he made his debut in the postseason Major League debut. In game one of the ALDS, becoming the first pitcher ever to do that. Luzon Isles, Kiroff, twins prospect, make his debut. And Padres, pitching prospect, Ryan Weathers, also make his debut. Now, could we see Franco in this series? Maybe. If it happens, you know, if there's injuries that happen, whatever, Franco somehow makes this fall classic roster, he probably will see some action. And he would join Alberto Mondesi, Kansas City Royals, who are players to make their debut in the World Series. Imagine if that happens. I'm surprised he's not on it, to be honest with you. He's a big, big dude. I know they have Willie Adamas, who's a great, great fit at shortstop. He's becoming one of the better shortstops in the American League. Um... You know, I mean, that American League is stacked with shortstops, with Bo Bichette, Libertores, and Carlos Correa Lindor, but Adamas is getting to become that guy who is kind of like you know, he's becoming a high profile shortstop now. Defensively, he's got, um, you know, I'm ready here, and uh, so Adamas over the past two years has more WAR than any of them, which is Bo Bichette, Libertores, Carlos Correa, and Corey Seeger. I say that's pretty good. But if you don't know, Wander Franco plays shortstop. And I would think Ronald Wander Franco would play anywhere. Now, if I was the manager here, if I was ownership, if I was the general manager, I would have Wander Franco playing third base. Joey Wendell, he's pretty damn good defensive sh- third baseman, and he's played second as well. He's pretty damn fast. Mike Brasso, corner infielder. He dabbles a little bit at second base, whatever. He's a nice, viable guy off the bench, right? But if I had Wander Franco just sitting there, I would absolutely bring him up and either have him as a DH or starting at third base. That's personally me. Why not? The secret weapon. So there is a secret weapon just sitting there. Just sitting there. Waiting to be unleashed. And if this happens, Oh, boy, the Dodgers wake up. But finally, let me say my prediction. My prediction is Dodgers in six. Hot takes only on the podcast, Dodgers in six. I think Kershaw comes up in game one. I think Bueller shoves in game three. And I think the Dodgers offense is going to really shock some people in this series against this really good race pitching. And I'm going to say World Series MVP. I know Corey Seager did it in the last series, but I know this isn't really a reach, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mookie Betts. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down, kids. Mookie Betts is going to be your World Series MVP. And the Dodgers win six. Let's see how it goes. Thanks for listening to the podcast, World Series Preview Pod. We'll catch you guys in the next episode, recapping some more of these games throughout the World Series. Follow me on Twitter at Taylor Ringold. Follow me on Instagram, Taylor underscore Ringold. Go follow End of the Bench on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And go read the blog, End of the Bench, blog, wp.wordpress.com. We'll give you recap podcasts. I'm going to be making in the next couple of days a Dusty Baker podcast. Where does his legacy rank? Amongst the better managers of his era, is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? I think he will be, but without a ring, it's kind of a hard debate. I will talk all about that in a blog in the next couple of days. Follow me on Twitter. I'm going to be posting, live tweeting all these games. Um, and uh, all right, so that's the podcast. We will catch you guys on the next one on episode 119. This is episode 118. Go follow us, subscribe, tell a friend, share, please. I really, really appreciate it. All right, do peace. even know. Chasing no more. Tell me what I want. Keep searching on, it's never enough. Club after club, run after run. I wouldn't give one if I could find a fall. in the car, and I put it on my mama. Get my best car, talking about some drama. I swear there ain't no time for women. You see the pussy, or the calm Man, I just wanna go flex Sport on my teeth and on my neck And I'm stone cold with the flex from the squad And I'm smoking up a check